to Seize Your Mind, the podcast about soccer, mental toughness, and life. I'm your host, Brandon Stone. Today's guest is Chris Armas. He is the head coach of the New York Red Bulls. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Um, I even love the, the, the name, Seize Your Mind. I know it's, it's, the mind is such a big... Uh, part of, of life and a, a part of sports um, at every level. So it'd be great to catch up with you. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. Cool, Thanks cool. Yeah, I, I, uh, I know there's plenty of information out there about tactics and techniques and um, the physical part, but I feel like the mental part, um, there isn't as much. And so that's what I like to do. I like to delve into like what makes you tick, how, what makes you get better. Um, how do you pass that on to your players? All that good stuff. So I want to learn about you. How did you get started in soccer as a kid? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, I, I loved playing sports when I was a kid. I was born in the Bronx in New York, and uh, my mom and dad moved out to Long Island when I was probably three years old, so more of the suburbs of, of the city. And, you know, as I got older, there was so many kids in the neighborhood. Um, and it probably was the, I had such a great upbringing that way where I was in the streets, like in the parks, in the backyards all day long, just playing. And um, the crazy thing is that one of the sports that wasn't being played necessarily in the neighborhood was soccer. Um, I played soccer all day in my backyard, but out in the streets was baseball and stickball and, and hockey, like roller hockey, street hockey, football, tackling at the park, softball, baseball, you name it, um, and basketball, you know, but soccer was, you know, in the local communities, it was organized soccer with all the, the local soccer clubs, which um, it was probably the, the one sport for, that allowed me to run around the most. And I love that. energy out. It was that, and, and it, w it felt most like the, the, the funnest team sport. And I always gravitated towards running around, having teammates um yeah so I, I i linked up with the local team and, and then just ran ran from there when you were young did you always like have this dream of becoming a pro player or when did that idea come into your mind i i think early on when i was a kid i dreamed about being a pro um but it's interesting it wasn't it wasn't until i was maybe a teenager that i started uh really looking up to the pro soccer players, but, but I was inspired by pro athletes. So again, in my household, when I was a kid, it was the New York Yankees, the New York Mets, the New York Islanders and the Rangers of the hockey. And it was the other sports that when I was in class, sitting in a classroom, practicing my signature, let's just say, not even an autograph, but dreaming one day, um, I was always, getting exposed to, okay, like I'll go to the New York Yankees game. And I didn't care who I could get an autograph from. Didn't have to be a, a major star. They were all superstars to me. And I just, I couldn't even read the, the signature, the autograph when I got home, but I knew that I was proud. And I always dreamt about being on that stage one day. So if I was at you the- You literally would practice out when you were a kid, you'd write out- I was practicing oh, hundreds and hundreds of times, like, how should, my name's Christopher, but it's Chris. It has to be Chris. And is it, you know, so it was crazy. But, but that, 
it was out there in my brain and in my heart from an early age. And I, and I think that was a big part of it, you know, seeing it. And then, and then my heart always knew that. So, um, yeah, really. No, that's huge. I mean, you, you knew from an early age, you had that end goal in mind of where you wanted to go. So now it's just, so. how do I get there? I think so. But I think when we were all kids at the park, you know, I think when you were playing baseball and you're up, you always envisioned that it was the bottom of the ninth inning and everything was on the line. Or if you're taking a penalty shot in hockey or, or it's the last shot in basketball, I always dreamed of, of those little pressure situations. And of course, when it became soccer, it was putting that ball down. It's a penalty kick. It's 4-4. Four, four. If you score, if he scores this next one, it's all over. They do it. Like, so you, you created this. I, I dreamed about it all the time. Create that story and how, scenarios. How, right, how it was, right. It wasn't even a pro league. Then it became a pro league, indoor soccer. And then it, and then it boomed in the mid-90s. So did you play in high school? What was the high school like? In, in yeah, I played um, high school soccer at St. Anthony's High School, about 15 minutes from my house. Um, all along, again, playing club ball during that time um, with the Brentwood Bandits, my, my uh, hometown team in Brentwood, Long Island. Um, and then from high school, um, you know, we had a, we had a you know, like many, you know, a competitive high school team. We won a championship my senior year. And then I got a scholarship to Adelphi University. Um, it was a division one program, top 20 in the nation, a small school, but it was top program on Long Island. And, you know, I got, I got to the opportunity and privilege to play college ball and get my education at the same time. Um, yeah, and then it just always seemed to be another level out there. So it was high school ball to college ball to, you know, the 1994 when I graduated college, it was the semi-pro soccer, really. It was a six-month contract, but it was the only pro league at the time, the USISL, and in my backyard, essentially, in Long Island, a team called the Long Island Rough Riders started, so I I got chosen to be part of that team. And then two years later, Major League Soccer started and I got drafted and then became part of the national team. So it always just seemed to be an, another level that, that I could, uh, again, I was, given, I was given opportunity and I always tried to make the best of it. Well, I've heard in one of your interviews, it's all about being ready for that opportunity. Sure is, you know, because you, 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 I think that um, in life, you know, you, Maybe, maybe along the way, uh, maybe someone does not get an opportunity, but usually in the course of your life, there is some opportunity that comes knocking. Sometimes you don't even see it, so you don't even know it. But I think if you are, if your eyes are open and your mind and your heart are open, um, and again, for some people, it falls into place easier. But I do think no matter what the circumstances are, there is opportunity. You just have to see it, and sometimes that's not so easy. But I, 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 I think I've always, uh, I don't know, even times I've been nervous. Um, I, 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 the, the, to cross over and let it become fear, and, and, and you know, I was more uncomfortable with not showing up than to showing up fearfully. So I always showed up because it, it was that's the battle of the mind. Um, we all have nerves at different times for different reasons. So, yeah, I was just made sure that I, I could look at myself in the mirror like my dad always taught me, that, that you work as hard as you can and uh, 
<clears throat> you don't let it ever ever not work for lack of of preparation and, and work ethic work ethic is huge um can you tell me a little bit more about that like growing up and then like how you um would grind it out so yeah to speak yeah i think i just i come i come from a a blue collar hardworking family that's my parents my parents parents um my 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 mother's parents were born in Puerto Rico. My father's parents from Cuba and one was born in New York, but um, work ethic was always talked about. And then when it wasn't talked about, I just was, I was able to see it with my, my parents. So my mom, you know, she was around for us. She had the job of raising us every day, all day. Um, and then later on, when we uh, went to college and later on in life, she went back and became a nurse, uh, which was incredible. And my dad, as a, you know, as a kid, he was the guy working two jobs. You know, we were out, we probably lived, I don't know, maybe 45 miles from New York City, but he would walk to the train station a couple of miles away, work in Manhattan, go to another job in Manhattan, and then come home at night and then come in the backyard and play with us and, and always you know, make time for the family, but, you know, he was cranking, he was cranking, and you only could, and we knew it back then, but we could really appreciate it as we, me and my two brothers got older, you know, um, and he would share some of the stories, and, um, but yeah, he, you know, every, every kid hears certain things their parents told them, you know, that resonated or stuck with him, and he, he would always talk about, um, being the hardest working person out there that, you know, you, you have to earn it. He would always say, you know, in life, if you want something, you have to go and get it, but you have to earn it. Don't expect anyone to give it to you. Um, you don't make excuses. Um, so he kept it real with all that stuff. And, um, you know, when, even when he played sports, watching him play basketball a little bit, he was a hustler. He, meaning not a hustle people like gambling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a hardworking athlete. You know, he might not have been better than you, but he was going to beat you with desire and passion. But you weren't going to get outworked by my, my dad and my mom. So me and my brothers now, we're, we're workhorses. We work and we don't expect anything. And we, we don't make excuses. And we teach that to our kids. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's such a great, invaluable lesson that they taught you by leading by example. And, you know, Brandon, you know what, man, like that, that stuff is great to have maybe part of your DNA if it becomes part of the DNA. But what I've found in my life and, uh, you know, and everyone again has their journey, but that's, you never really know along the way, you, you know, doors open for you, but have they opened or did you, did you have a part in opening those doors by not burning bridges, by being a good person? Like, I think that opens doors for you, but all those little uh, work ethic and, and the character uh, qualities and, and learning to, to, I don't know, not make excuses and just, uh, I think that stuff has been really beneficial in the tougher times of my life.
So I think whether it's where I tore my ACL or there's been different challenges along the way, or just when life just gets tough, when you just, you don't have enough hours in the day and you just have to, and this is just everyday stuff. A lot of people just give in and they quit or they make excuses or they complain or they bring bad energy into a room. And I don't, I don't speak that language. So I do think that that, that probably goes back to, I don't know, maybe half how God wired me, but then what I learned from, from my upbringing. That's probably the difference between winners and losers. I think so. I think so. There's something, you know, in, intrinsic. There's something inside. And some of it, I think, is nature and some of it's nurture that you can learn it. Um, so I don't think that either way, then, either you're born with it or you can, you can improve it no one has excuses then maybe. So I think I have a little bit of both that I was born with something, a, a gift of some sort, you know, and I think everyone has, like, I don't think hey, I, I can speak with confidence. I think everyone has a gift. Um, the key I think is to recognize it, to own it, right? Not to, you got to run your own race. You can't be thinking of other people's gifts um, only and, or what you don't have. So you know your gift to, you know, really embrace it and then just run with it. Be the best you can at that, meaning you, be, be who you are, you know? The best version of yourself. For sure. Love it, sure. love it. Yeah. Tell me about, um, as a coach, how have you tr tried to pass on that work ethic to your players? Um... Yeah, Brendan, you know, it's a good question. And it almost think you almost think it would be easy. Well, yeah, it's I work hard and everyone else around me will see it and work hard. It's not doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Some 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 players, you tell them something one time and it's done. They do it. They they're pleasers. That's how they're wired. They just need a little bit of guidance or, you know, direction. But some are not naturally like that. And to go where I want to go, it's a little uncomfortable at times because it does require a high standard of almost everything every day. So good luck with that. You know, cause some people are not that comfortable. They, they don't want to work hard all the time. They don't want to, they want to take some breaks in games. They want to take a few days off along the way. They don't, they want to mentally shut off here and there. They don't want standards, which I think become the culture of our, of our, of our club and, and how, you know, my, my leadership and yeah, it's, I think that I just, uh, in simple answer, create high standards of almost a bunch of different things of, let's just say how you treat people, how we, how hard we work or how we work, um, how you talk to people, how you, uh, how you show up every day, you know, so if you just talk a few different things, um, and of course those little drop down menus of, of, yeah, yeah. Subcategories. Yeah, like there's just standards of behavior, I'd say, that <clears throat> I'm setting that, or I'm part of the leadership of the club setting those standards. And my job to answer your question becomes I'm holding you to it. And when that dips, not if it dips, right? Because when that dips, then what? How do I ensure that the people around me are, are bringing it all the time? And again, I understand we're all human. So it's, yeah, I, there's room for that. 
there's people have bad moments and, and, and tough times. And so I'm the first one there to pick a guy up first one there to, to check in with people. But, but that's, you know, I, I try to lead by example, Brandon, I try to lead by example, which is sometimes exhausting because honestly, if you want to do that every single day, yeah, that means, you know, there's no bad days. I, I, I tell the guys around me and my staff and the players, we no longer have bad days. We'll have good, bad days, good, bad days. So your worst days are a six out of 10, no problem. And we'll, and we'll help you. We'll help you get there, but you can't just tank and bag it. And, and, you know, we, we ask people to think about other people a lot around the club. And the more you think about that, that way, you realize that a hell of a lot's coming your way. You get a lot, but you're not giving to get, but that's just a culture. So Man, I, I got to stop you real quick. Yeah. yeah. Tell you that mind, just that switch in your mind of there's going to be good, bad days. There's not going to be bad days, just good, bad days. Like that's like, huge yeah I, th I think so man I think because I mean of course then it's gonna just be tough days it just is with it could be something tragic happens with family it could, I mean even now the time we're in you can see yeah and those days you know but those it, you know if you take some of those out you know because even on those worst days you still have to deal with that in some level and some people have a really tough time. And I do think for the human being, it's important to be able to have quiet time to, to be, to deal with that. And everyone deals with it in their own way. In their own way is probably the right way for them. But I think taking that, that out, it comes a point where it's time to look forward now. And now you can you do you harp on it do you stay or you do you, do you drive forward and that I think then you're responsible for it because this is the story you know and this is your the, the, the cards you know again I, if I just talk about when I got hurt before the world cup it was 10 days before the world cup and I could have just begged it like it was really devastating but I try to put things in perspective that there's people worse off. It's, you know, I have so many positive things in my life and, but I wasn't thinking that the day I was going for my MRI, right. You know, it took a little bit of time and then, then you quickly, I don't know. It's, it's a, it was a mindset of, yeah, it's, I'm going to come back stronger than ever. I'm going to, and, and, and I will be, I will be better than before. And I, and then, yeah, you, you, you just, every every day chip at chip away at it but i do think for most people to think about having even for a soccer player to go on the whistle blows and you're not having a good day on the field how can you be able to rely on your teammates get back to the basics focus on what's important quiet the chatter in your brain you know when this, this person on your shoulder is telling you you can't pass a soccer ball anymore this one knows that you're the greatest in the world, but you know, you start listening to this guy over here and, and all of a sudden you can't pass soccer ball anymore. Yeah. So on those days when, 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 when this guy starts chiming in too much, how can you gain power over him? That's not so easy, but I, th I do think that part of having good bad days is to have some 
mechanisms of how you think and how you can control your thoughts and emotions that I don't, I, I think you can put it on and off like a light switch, but I think you, you can learn how to do that. It's not so, I don't think that just comes, I don't, I don't think you just, you think about it and then it's done. I think you got that's, that's something you can work on. And a lot of times you don't even realize it's this guy talking. So that's like the first step is just like self-awareness. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's true. But I, I think this guy is, is the, is the one that's, that's called doubt. He's the one doubt, fear, the nerves, the, again, it's, it's, you've been playing soccer your whole life. You're a professional soccer player. And he's telling, he's convinced you, your touch is gone. Mike, where did my touch go? What do you mean? Where? It's crazy. It didn't go anywhere. It's, it's there. But, but sure enough, the ball comes and, and the ball takes a big touch away from your foot. The body tenses up. Physiologically, it tenses up. It, and, you know, if you think you are beaten, you are. So, and, and which is really interesting now, the my whole Michael Jordan last dance, you see he – you know, if, if, if people wanted to talk about why he was the greatest, now, there's others, right? There's, there's LeBron and there's other athletes. But if Michael Jordan is in the conversation, which I think he is, I think that everyone would say he had a, a mindset that was, it was relentless, but it was, I don't, and look, I'm sure he had moments. I don't think as he got on with his career that, that, that he had, he operated from a place of, doubt and fear do you know what i'm saying i think when he when that ball left his hand it might not have went in but i don't think it was because of of you know consistently thinking this is not going in i thought i think that he was able to control it in such a way that that it's going in every time and and learned he even learned how to deal with when it doesn't when it doesn't so I think the mentality piece, I mean, he's, he's an extreme example of, of total belief and total focus being in the moment, which it's tongues out of his mouth, jaws unhinged. He's like total at ease in, in a pressure packed situation. So if you asked him how to teach that to someone, not sure he knows the answer. Right. Hard to put into words. Um, reminds me of that quote though, his about like, won so many awards blah 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 but that's because i've missed the most shots <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's true yeah, you've seen the, the greatest baseball players they've struck out how many times but the home runs are the ones the things that i talked about so yeah no it's a really interesting uh <clears throat> you know conversation piece or topic or idea the, the mentality and, and 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 the whole mindset of, of, a, of a champion or of a winner. Do you have your players, like, if one of them notices, one of them's kind of off, are they, like, aware enough to be like, hey, man, say some sort of encouragement during the field, like, not even once you get to the locker room, but, like, some... Yeah, I think that some guys have little coping coping skills to deal with tough moments. So almost like uh, we talk about it with the team and, you know, we've had uh, some help with team sports psychology um, in the recent years. And, and, and our club is trying to, to do a better job with this. Um, 
understanding the importance of it, but you know, almost like a reset button, a reboot on a computer, an ability to literally give the guys something. It could be a clenching of the fist or something that, that mimics the reboot button on a, a computer. That when it's not, that little circle spinning and nothing's working, you, a reboot that boom, brings it back to the nice, whatever it is, uh, Apple icon, like, oh, there it is. Um, so I think, you know, we've talked about that with players and, and some guys can do it easier than others. But um, you can see that, man. You can see the body language start to change on some guys, head down, palms up, smacking the lips, you, the facial expression. You can see where it becomes, you know, if a player misses a pass, misses a shot, lets a goal in, draws a foul, that sometimes it, it's, you can see where it's, it's going. And then where they're not able to deal with that, it leads to more mistakes. And, um, you know, the in the moment is gone. There's no more in the moment. There's, you know. They're still you, on that pass. From like, on pass. Instead of thinking next play, next play, it's all I can think about is the last play. So I think, you know, the goal for any athlete is, is, is the vision of, of most young athletes at eight years old when, they, when they're playing. I rarely, you rarely would show up at a field and watch a, a team full of eight-year-olds almost in any sport that don't look like they're enjoying it. And they're thinking about, oh my gosh, what if I strike out? What if this happens? What if I miss this shot? Or what are my teammates thinking of me right now? Is someone watching me? They, but as we get older, we, we start caring so much more about failing and who's watching and what, what do people think? But again, I, if, if you bring it back to when you're a kid, I don't know what age it stops, that innocence, but mm -hmm. you can learn a lot from watching kids. Total enjoyment, total fun, total locked in on the task and then you uh, playing with freedom um and they're playing in the world cup and they're ronaldo right there in that moment that's it and and i think i think the greatest athletes and, and you can talk about it even maybe if someone's even giving a presentation that they seem to get to a place where they're laser focused on on the task at hand and it doesn't mean they're not having to work hard for it or at it because it takes preparation. But to truly, you know, some coaches have said to me, you know, Manny Shellshite, Bob Bradley, you know, can you have an ability to, to, to cut out all the noise, to just get rid of all the distractions that what's left in your brain is just the task at hand and which sounds like a beautiful thing. Um, and, and, and I understand that pretty well. Um, but I'll tell you what, my, the, the, best, the best games ever were those days where you just couldn't miss. You couldn't miss. You, everything fell for you. And, and you were in the zone, some say, right? But yeah. I, I actually, as I got older and older and into my mid-playing career of, of a pro, is that I, I no longer thought that that in-the-zone phenomenon was lucky. I actually believe you can bring it to you with, with controlling your thoughts and having less thoughts and really uh, rehearsing some things in my mind. Visualization, what does success look like? How will I deal with mistakes? 
how will I, you know, so I then started having performances that I saw that already. I wasn't surprised. I could, I, I could, I, I was never talking arrogance, but inside I was number one. Number one, number, not number one in Floral Park, Bar League. I'm talking number one in the world. I started thinking almost, um, your subconscious like doesn't know the difference fantasy and reality yeah. i'm telling myself i dare you uh, come come my way and I'm, uh, you, you know so you know that this was a big part for me again having to prepare to play at the higher highest level um but but using the brain as a a tool and a weapon you know and not letting it work against you which is usually yeah nice. yeah it's a powerful thing and I liked what you said about knowing what you're going to do when you do make a mistake. Cause like, I think that's rare for people to, you know, they think they're not going to make mistakes for whatever reason yeah. to like prepare for that mentally. It's like, okay, how am I going to react when I do mess up? It's, it's, it's something that, you know, as I got, a, as I started coaching my children when, and I, and I stopped coaching them at like 11 or 12 years old, um, as, and then they needed to go and, and hear a different voice. At least that's the plan that I had. But what I did want to do in their younger ages is try to just create environments where they could play free. They could, maybe I could inspire them with fun training sessions, competitiveness that they enjoyed, um, help them understand and maybe get exposed to some of the team concepts that I was once exposed to. Um, what, can I teach them and their teammates to be good teammates, real teammates, understand what real work ethic was like. And you can learn so many, so many of those lessons on, on the field and in training, but um, <clears throat> yeah, to, to also try to arm them with, with some of the coping skills um, that when mistakes happen, you know, this is part of it, you know, Unless you just go sit down in your room and, and don't take any risks, you don't. Yeah, maybe if you walk from here to there, did you take those steps for too long or too short? There's nothing to really judge, but you know, as much as you're, you know, to, to try to always um, play with enjoyment that they could remember that soccer was a game meant to be fun and, and really enjoyable. But hey, when when you start to see that naturally. You, you, when you're part of a team and you mess up, you you worry that you know you messed it up for your team. Judgment. Imagine like when you, you're teaching them to be good teammates. That means you start to care about the next guy. So if you if you blow it for your teammate or you make a mistake that hurts the team, and it wasn't deliberate, like then you start to feel bad just naturally. So then how do you not feel bad? What do you mean? So hold on a second. I'm supposed to love my, love my teammates but not feel bad? Like it's not really you know, talking of trying to like, it's that emotion doesn't really, you try not to let them not think about that emotion that that's your teammate. Doesn't really, he doesn't, he doesn't care that you made the mistake. It's okay. You know, but you can't call a timeout and say, it's okay. But, but trying to, I always just talked about next play, get on with it. It's the next play. Everyone makes mistakes. And it wasn't something you talk about at halftime. I think I tried to coach that way, and I try to coach now that way, that we all are going to make mistakes. So let's just, let's just have these individual uh, 
coping mechanisms, but understand the team you play for. We actually thrive on our own mistakes because then we can win the ball back quickly and score a goal. Like we, we try so much to talk about like, yeah, that it's, it's a non, it's a non issue that, that the most important thing is to be fearless and go after it and have courage stepping on that field. So we try not to talk too much about it, but, but, but guys are being helped more these days with the little coping, coping skills. How do you help your players cope when a ref just starts to call after call after call after call go against them? And it's just like, okay, I can understand two or three, but like six in a row, like how do you deal with that? Yeah, the, the, the teams that I coach, have, have, I've never, and I coached in youth soccer, I've coached in college soccer, and now the professionally. I've always made it a point in training and in games. The referees are going to make mistakes. Get on with it. That's, that's, that's an excuse. That's like blaming the weather. You can't control the weather. Can't call. You, you have to step on the field assuming that the referee is, is just try, doing, doing his or her best. They're just trying to call the game. That you, you know, unless that they're, they, they've uh, bet some money or they have an interest that one team should win or not, that you have to assume they are doing their best. So mistakes is going to be part of it. You cannot control that. By you starting to worry about that, takes you. it's a distraction. It gets you off track. And again, because then it would go against what I'm trying to coach, to, to avoid distractions, limit the distractions, quiet the noise, and then you start complaining, you're blaming. It's the blame game. For me, with my kids, with kids I coach, with the guys I coach now, even in training, we, we, we miss it sometimes, and sometimes it's deliberate to put them in these tight situations where, yeah, you, you purposely make some calls to see how they, how they deal with it. Or you purposely don't make a call to see how that player deals with it. And a lot of times it's complaining. It's, and I understand it. I'd, I'd probably complain too, but I'd quickly get on with it. So part of it is, is training, you know, in such a way that you, you don't let that be an issue. But you, I think you personally, I try to, lead in a way it's there's no excuses um allowed essentially and you focus on what you can control love that love that love that let's talk about leadership how do you help develop leaders in your team yeah i think that's a good question and it's a big priority at our club we have a very young team the second youngest in major league soccer and you know we 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 do have the goal of, of, of helping, helping these players along with their development um, on the field, tactically, technically, in their minds. And a big part of it is helping them develop lead, to be leaders. Um, understand there's different types of leaders. There's vocal leaders. There's leaders that lead by example. Um, but even if, even if you are one that leads by example, can you – lead by example, not just be a follower and, and do what everyone else is doing. So um, I think one of the things we do, we, we, you know, one of the things we'll do in video sessions, we'll have players uh, sometimes lead video sessions. So we'll work with that player the day before and we've cut some video and that next morning we'll run through it with the player. And, and now you'll have a player standing in front of the room or, or out of his chair in a classroom, maybe with, 
30, 35 people kind of asking his teammates questions and, and in a really interesting way and that, and they're uncomfortable, but I think that's part of it. So we try to expand their comfort levels with having to speak in front of the team, how to speak what's on their mind, how to maybe speak what, what might not be the popular thing, but maybe what they think is the right thing. Um, so we try to give the players a voice and let them be part of some of the decision-making. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, when we are in, in the environment of, of, the, of training and, and especially in the classroom, we say, and looking at video and having team meetings, I think the way we try to teach and communicate, we, we ask a lot of questions to the players. We, we ask guided uh, questions. You know, we try to guide them or, you know, we, we, we try to engage them. Um, to have a voice so yeah I think that it's a that part of it is is tactical on our part we try to really you know um, engage them that way and then on the field can can they we think we we give them a, a playing style and a philosophy that really encourages that encourages them to go after it to really you know be on the front foot be aggressive um, we press a lot and we, we, it often requires high energy, high intensity, uh, a proactive approach. So we think that all the time um, that we are fostering the, the, the leadership qualities. You know, at, at the club, we, because we have a lot of young players too, we, we do bring up some players from the second team, even in the academy, we bring those players in sometimes to our training sessions. We've brought younger players, 17-year-olds, 16 year to our preseason, where they're way outside the comfort zone, but they're, they're there. They're there for a reason. We're pushing them, but they, they ha hang out with grown men, and they have to stand up and say their name and talk, and you see that quickly. They, they start to walk a little bit taller and with more confidence. So we do, we do try to, uh, you know, bring that to life in our club. That's great. You're planting seeds in those kids that will really have some, some return later on. Um, tell me more about establishing, you talked, that kind of touched a little bit on it, but establishing the culture within the organization. Yeah, look, I, I, I think that, again, you, you know, for each club and for each entity out there, a team or, or organization company, you know, the leaders are the ones that, set the tone, set the standards of what's important, maybe what's not so important. Um, <clears throat> so, I, you know, I think it has to be something that what we as the leaders think are is important. And then, you know, it's, it's again, on the field, what, do, what are our expectations? Um, individually, collectively, you know, you, gotta, you have to teach it, and then you have to train that, set the standards, and now repeat that. And then you'll see if we're, we're only teaching if they're learning. So are they getting it? Are we making progress? Are we growing? And then I think where, where you talk about culture, you know, it's, it's so much of it feels like it's just, I think everyone would have a definition of culture, but I feel like it's a set of standards, standards of behavior. And because behavior is on the field, off the field, everything. So I think that that part of it, it's, 
again, as a human being, what I feel like if you can answer that part first, it takes care of so many of the other things that I think rarely in life you find you know, someone's a, a team guy, cares about others, puts himself last, you know, uh, you know, uh, shows up on time, gives people respect, then all of a sudden whistle blows and becomes the biggest idiot you've ever seen. I don't think it works like that. I think it translates. So it's synonymous that you, you bring in good people. Uh, it doesn't mean that they can't be edgy or there's some players I think we need them. We need their qualities and they need us. So that's okay. Like, you know, we'll, if a strong culture, a strong way of working, I think, I think, I think by nature, people want to be part of something special, part of something good. So they, they move the needle the other way. And they, and they, you know, whereas another, put that same player in another environment, they start seeing how much they can get away with. How much, how much can I bend the rules? But um, yeah, so I think it's just an everyday thing and real accountability, but accountability. Yeah. The leader sets the standard and the tone. And then of course I have to, show up on time with good energy, all the things that we're asking for, the leadership has to show. And then where it really comes to life is where, yeah, there's, you don't have to talk about it that much. You certainly, you don't brag about it and you don't have to deal with so many issues and it kind of polices itself because um, it was really interesting when, when in the, in, in the last dance with Michael Jordan, when Scotty Pippen, there was an incident where he didn't, go in for the last play of the game because didn't, he didn't get to take the final shot and whatever, whatever, fast forward to after the game. They did you know, it's quiet in the locker room. They just won. Buzzer beater, big game, playoff game. Yet there was no sense of joy because it was almost like someone took a real blow to their culture of what was important. And then a player stands up, not the coach, a player says, hey, man, that's not, that's not us. That's not you. You let us down, man. Like that. So imagine how powerful the culture has to be, but that's, what, that's, what's, that's what's powerful. Not the leader to stand up and say, hey, man, that's no good. Like, yeah, I think everyone would get the message, but that's not what, what defines the strong culture. I think when the, when the players and the people that make up, they, that they take it over then I think really special and strong. Yeah. Becomes authentic for sure. Um, let's talk about goal setting a little bit. How do you set goals for yourself? Um, let's go back to how did you do it as a player? And then has that changed as a coach? Yeah, it hasn't changed. Um, I think when I was a, a younger kid, it was a dream. It wasn't necessarily goals. Um, it was just this, I want to become a pro soccer player. Um, I want to have a family one day, just a big, big, big pieces. Um, when I became a professional soccer player, you know, I just wanted to win. I, you know, my, my goal was to win the championship, to win major league soccer's championship, um, to, to make, to become a national team player one day. And, um, it was very clearly thought out and I'd write down my goals. Um, I do that now as well. Want to win a major league soccer championship with the New York Red Bulls. Um, break it down into different, uh, let's say monthly goals, you know, to, to 
how many points of a regular season, let's say, is going to be required to make the playoffs because that's part of the first goal. And can you win the supporters shield? But can, but then I, cause I think it becomes, you know, you don't talk about the, the MLS cup, but at least me, I don't, you have that goal, but now you have the little tangible achievements along the way that you can strive for. So um I keep it in the front of my, my brain, not in the back of, of where, where I want to go all the time. It helps me. It helps the big decisions become easier, tough decisions of whether you have to let a player go or the starting lineup, or it's always about what's best for the team. So keeping the end goal in mind is really important to me, but I don't, I'm not necessarily saying MLS Cup, MLS Cup. It's, it becomes the day-to-day, the work that becomes really important because that's the, it's just one step on the, on the, on the one rung at a time, you know, I got to put my hands here, put my foot. So it's got to be the process that I'm really focused on. But um, <clears throat> yeah. You know where that process is heading to. Yeah. Listen, it's, it's, I remind the players and, and young players, you, you know, is how important goal setting is. It's, it's because whether it's, in, it's probably with everything in life, and whether maybe you're saving for retirement and maybe you're, you want to buy something uh, in, in three months or you want to go on a vacation or you want to have a family or, you know, in every little aspect, um, what you want to accomplish on a weekend ahead. Then you have to, I want to do that, but then you save no money. I want to do that, but you make no time for it. You, you want it does help you understand each rung that you put in the ladder you're the one doing that so I, I think it's we tell the young players like when you're driving a car you sit in the car how often do you just start driving without isn't don't you want to know where you're going that 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 tells you exactly your first step which way you go when do you want to get there then you got to leave earlier or you got to go faster it just it it keeps you on the path it, it helps you create a plan um, so I think it's really important. Um, That's a then, great analogy, by the way. I think then you, 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 you said it earlier, you start planting the seeds. And I think that's a real thing, that you're planting the seeds um, of, of MLS Cup or a family or whatever that goal is um, to get a 95 on the test, 100 on the test, or to get an A in the class. Um, by writing it down, by thinking about it, this, it goes in your brain, it goes in your heart, it goes in your body, you can then chip away at it. Beautiful. That sounds like poetry. I love it. Right. Um, do you remember a specific story or a specific time that you've helped an athlete whose confidence had maybe gone down a little bit and you helped them turn around? Yeah. Um, you don't have to name names, but yeah, no, I, I think I've helped a lot of athletes with this. Um, you know, I think that there's maybe two examples. So a player on the Red Bulls that, that tore his ACL um, for the second time, and and just trying to really be a a, a piece of re- realism. Re- Real, realism or a real, uh, not reality, but empathy. I've done the same injury. I've torn mine twice, but being uh, just a comforting 
source for that player was really, I think, helpful. Sometimes just being in the same room, I put my hand on his knee, hey, I'm gonna give you my energy, let me pass it on. Sometimes it's a call at home, sometimes it's a text message, but a deliberate checking in along the way. Um, I think that meant a lot to that player. And then, you know, when I took over the team as the head coach in, in 2018, it was a player, Mark Shakovsky, <clears throat> who I could see his body language was down, you know, and, and, and I literally take over mid, midway through the year. And I could see in training, it, it just continued, just body language of in, internal, you know, not a lot of emotion, energy level looked a little lower. And I, I, and I, one of the coaches was talking to him after training and I went over there and I said, Hey, and we all three of us sat down in the middle of the field on a summer day, early July, I think late June. And we're talking for about a half hour. And I said, Mark, listen, you know, I, I promise you, like, you're going to get a chance with me, you know? Um, and I can tell right now, you look like you, you won't, you don't believe that, you know? You haven't had much opportunity, but I want you to know that. And that should change how you feel about this, you know, like, but you gotta, you gotta change the energy a little bit. And, and I tried, we had a really honest conversation and, um, you know, we, we promised that, that we, we'd give him a chance. He'd have to perform, but he's has, he's going to get a chance. We, we asked him to consider the energy, like you got to, changed the way of looking at this whole thing well that really hit home for him he he came in the next day he was the best player in training and he had a good rest of the year and in that very next game we were playing he was at home against Kansas City who's um we're down two to one and he comes in I think he scores two goals and we win three two it was incredible that's awesome where I know I had a an impact, an influence on just letting him feel, letting him feel that we cared in a certain way, that we, we were here to help him and then he'd get a chance. And then that, I mean, that's what we can take credit for giving him some positive energy and the opportunity. But if he gets all the credit for going out there and, and doing what he did, because we, we can't do that. He has to do all of that on his own. You gave him hope. I think we did. That was a, it was a big, uh, you know, when I coached in college too with the women's team at Adelphi University, it, a, lot, a lot of the players on the team would, would have self-doubt. And I think I, the program turned around and we became winners. But part of it was wins and losses, but a big part of it was they believed that they were the best. They started talking and thinking like a team, but but like, that they could really, they, they could stand tall. And, and that was just like constantly, you know, it's, it's, uh, again, it's not BS. It's not just you're the greatest, but letting them know how good they are, how, and that was important because that, that group of, of, of players and people and those girls, they, they, I think they came from environments, not at home necessarily, like of coaching and soccer that, mistakes were such a thing and it was negativity and gloom and doom and that I was a not just a breath of fresh air but we they know that 
that me, I didn't talk about necessarily, uh, I didn't harp on the losses and the wins, but they knew I wanted to win. But it was not, you know, we, if we lost, I said, Get, you know, listen, just keep your heads up. We got, we got the next game. So it was, again, you know, I, I, I'm a really positive person, but when we lose, it hurts. So I'm not the guy, I'm not the guy in the locker room throwing chairs, but I'm not Mr. Conversation. Hey, let's, it's, it hurts. And there's an emotional expenditure that oftentimes I don't, I don't have much to say because truthfully, there, in my opinion, there's not, there isn't much to say. Otherwise it's BS and excuses and, and, and answers that no one cares about. Uh, that we had our chance, 90 minutes, you know. And, and when I was a player that was in, you know, in the locker rooms, when I became a voice in the team, that I made sure that we, we, we were a real team that way, that we did our walk, walking and talking out on the field. Like we, we had our chance. So, and if I saw the, the, the chatter and nonsense, everyone had the answers after the game, I, I, I'd shut it down really quickly. Say, guys, stop that. That's fake. We had our chance, blah, blah, blah. We had our chance, stop. And it would stop and it could, because it wasn't real. And it, therefore we kept it real. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was, um, it's a good question. <laughs> Last one to wrap things up. If you could go back and tell your 18 year old self one piece of advice, one word of wisdom, what would you tell yourself and why? Yeah, I would probably, uh, well, that would be a piece of advice that I'd give myself before I start, started my pro career. So I'd still be in college. Um, I'd probably sit, tell my, my, myself, no matter what, no matter what, don't change who you are you know, stick to who you are. Because once by saying that, I think I, I would hit all of the little things, the work ethic, the, you know, the, the fearlessness to go after something, um, you know, yeah, I think that, I think that would, that, that would say it all. Like no matter what, um, because things are going to try to get you off path along the way. Um, stick to who you are. And, and, and um, one other little piece of advice I would say is, is uh, make sure you always are, uh, keep, keep making sure you, you think about others. Along, like put that at the forefront. Ask yourself, how can I help? How, what can I give? Because I think that's gonna that 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 also encompasses a lot, almost every aspect, relationships to people around you. So, yeah, that's huge. So many people are selfish, think about themselves, and that's it. Yeah, no, I I understand it, and I it's true. Because in life, you have to you have to 
you do have to think about you know yourself and 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 carrying your own weight and but you know um there's so many times when it's you get put in situations uh where where it's it's easy uh you want to be a good teammate you know what i mean you want to be you want to be someone that people can rely on and count on at least me i think it's one of the best compliments people have given me is yeah chris was a good teammate and and not like the guy that hey do you want to go to the movies good teammate you know like if they if if they're picking teams that i'm i think people wanted me on their team that I was a good teammate and I could help you win. By having me on your team, our chances go up of winning. Like that for me, and that is that is life, not just teams, right? Like that's during the corona, uh, the COVID uh, pandemic. That's when I tore my ACL. That's when someone else tore their ACL. It's when life gets t- tough. Can, you know, can you be a person that can can hold up with it and and then thrive in some way and just keep, keep pushing it. So yeah, it's, I intend for the, you know, I'm 47 years old, but I'm not changing. I'm only going to keep, keep getting better at that. Like influencing everything around me to be better, better off because I'm part of it. You know, like when you enter a room, um, I think I've been able to do that. And I'll continue to do that. That's my that's my goal. Amazing, the win, amazing. The winning follows. The winning comes. Does it always does? Cool. It's a good place for us to wrap up. That was amazing to hear. Um, it's so true. The more you help others, the more it just helps you. You lift them up, and it brings you up. I know you think the same way. So that's maybe it makes me and you like two of the most selfish people in the world because you're only giving because you know it's going to come back. And, uh, no. True. No, true. Yeah, you, you uh, you're really inspirational too, man. Because uh, I don't know. I, every time I've done a little research on you, you, you're always smiling. You, you have seem to have really good energy and an outlook. It's powerful, and you know, uh, you know. It's I commend you for that. And thank, thank you. you. Maybe what I can come. Think? Maybe I can come talk to your team someday. That's done deal. Let's make right. it happen. I don't let's let's remove the word maybe. Okay. Figure out when that's when that's you know going to be a good time to do that. Okay. We'll stay in touch, me and you. Cool. What what is uh like? How easy would that be for you? Super easy. Yeah. How often do you do? I'll things? get on a plane today. <laughs> like that easy. Um. I went yeah. to traveling. So in terms of like traveling and stuff, I went to uh, the World Cup in Russia in my wheelchair. Oh, cool. Yeah. I got to meet the original Ronaldo. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. That's special. It's nice. Yeah. It was a dream. That's, that's nice. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if, if uh, I will definitely, you know, connect with you. I mean, obviously when this – when it's safe to do so that we can, yeah, I think you coming around, seeing what we do, how we work. And, and then also, you know, and it would be up to you to talk about, uh, you know, what, how much of your story you want to share and, and some of the things that have 
helped you with some challenges and well i truly believe i was given these challenges to share them with others to help other people so gives it gives it meaning yeah man that's what uh there's a there's a saying that i always if 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 our if our uh, strength coach sends out a uh, a training session for guys to be doing at home now, or if we talk to the players, like I always use this phrase, that's what winning looks like, and I will say that to you. But that that's 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 what winning looks like. The that mentality that you're you're you that this happens to you, so you can share your your experiences, but. It, 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 in the end, it just well, I'm talking about the winning behaviors, the winning attitudes. Um, yeah, because I always say that that I think, you know, you think about the the MLS Cup that's out there. Um, that I think a lot of people will say, "Hey, I'm a. I won the cup. Now I'm a now I'm a champion," and I I say, "Fellas, it's the other way around." You have to believe you're a champion. You have to behave like a champion. You have to show up and work like that and treat people like that and dream about it and repeat that and be honest. And that's winning behaviors. That's winning. And then it comes. It's, the, it's oftentimes people don't, in my mind, it's because I, I've, I've lifted the trophy. So I, I know it wasn't that day. It was all of the work. So that's Amazing. a mentality. Yeah, it's cool. All right, man. So what do you have next today? Anything else coming up? Not today. Um, got the uh, U.S. Pa- uh, Paralympic head coach s- sometime this week. I still got to oh, finalize wow. it. But cool. Yeah. So. And, and what? Um, how are things in Oklahoma? Good, good. Um, I work with the local college team here. Um, Claremont, oh, no. Roger State University. They're a D2 team. Ro- what did you say? Roger State? Roger State. Uh-huh. Um, I work as a mental toughness coach. You know, work on things like confidence, motivation, just the mental side of things, goal setting. Um, and uh, we just won the first conference championship last year in the history of the program. So that's pretty awesome. That's really awesome. I, I uh, broke my record, uh, my walking record, a week before the final in front of the, the whole team. I walked three-fourths of the way around the soccer field. Um, That's amazing. And, like, I was able to – it went to overtime. The final game went to overtime. And I, like, went to one of the players while everyone's kind of resting. And I was like – I looked them dead in the eyes. I was like, all right, I gave it my all for you guys. Now it's your turn to pay back the favor. It's like, I know. They went out and won it on PKs. Wow. Wow, that must have felt amazing for you to be part of it. You have no idea. You have no idea. That's incredible. That's awesome, man. No, listen, that's, that you, had a, you, had a, you played a part in that for sure. Um, you can feel it even with that little snippet right there. That's cool. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, it would be great to, you know, really delve into your story and, and – you know, I'd love for you to speak to, to the boys, you know? Oh, I'd love to. And, uh, yeah. So, um, let, listen from along the way, if you need anything from me or if you want to share anything, uh, please 
email me. You have my info. Okay. And uh, yeah, if I could do anything for you, let me know. And then we will try to make this happen this year. You know, we got to see what it all looks like. Yeah. Done. yeah. And we'll then see what that's going to take. All right. Cool. All right, man. Stay right. safe. Good Stay talk. Strong. All right. You too. Thanks for having me again. Thank you, Chris. Take care. Right. See you, Brandon. Bye.